two, one. Oh my god. Welcome back to Three Guys, One Couch. I'm your host, Justin Chernow, a.k.a. Colorado Crush. I'm here with the one, the only, three-time NYFBL defending champion, MLB MVPs. What's up? How you doing, MVPs? I'm doing great. Been uh, scoring lots of points, you know. This is this is our championship episode because we're yeah, missing we someone. Usually we have three people on the couch. This time we only got two guys on the couch. Yeah, we're just two guys. So Frankie went to bed early. At least that's what he told us. He couldn't hang. He couldn't stay up late night. I think. Maybe he got scared for his current week three matchup. Maybe he was afraid he was going to lose to the Murano Verrazanos. I don't know. He might, honestly. He's got Kershaw back, you know. So And Snell's out because he dropped a vase on his foot in the bathroom. As we all tend to do at some <laughs> point in our lives. I mean, so have you ever stubbed your toe? Of course. I feel like you can still like do things like pitch. Maybe it's not like an arm injury. But he fractured his toe. Then it's it big. should, then it shouldn't only be one start that he's missing. Exactly. But so, then you said earlier that it's his, it's his ring toe. Yeah, it's his fourth toe. Yeah. What do we need our fourth toes for? To put rings on them. You have a ring on your toe? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> you put a ring on Carla's toe? <laughs> Someday, I'm hoping. <laughs> All right. So. So Nick Nick Miller, get some ideas there. I know you were you were thinking about some big stuff, you know. So. All right, we're going to have to cut that out because <laughs> we'll bleep it out. We'll bleep it out. Does he, does he, he listens? If he listens out loud, you know, you never know. Good, you're a courteous guy. You never you're, know. You're considerate. I should have thought of that. So what we're going to do, we're going to do the same format as last time. We'll go through the matchups from last week. We only have two guys giving analysis, so maybe this episode will be a little bit quicker. We'll spend some time going through the current week. And what we're looking forward to. Maybe talk a little bit about pickups this time. There's some interesting yeah. pickups that happened last week. We'll see what happens. So let's get into it. Starting week two, the most exciting matchup of the week. <laughs> Once you go Blackman, never go back Manny versus Squirtle Sluggas. Yeah. These were the two lowest scoring teams of the entire week. So someone had to get a win here. Naturally, that person was Eric, who is 2-0 right now. It's a very sad 2-0. It's the limpest 2-0 that there's ever been. It's like it's like when you turn around and like the Jets are 2-0. <laughs> yeah, you but know it's It's cuz they got to play the Bills. <laughs> it's not yeah. a real 2-0. And that's why he fell all the way to I think it was 5th in the power rankings. 5th or 4th. Mm -hmm. Um but all right, so looking at this matchup, I really see I don't know about you, I see one player who had a good week, and that was Jose Altuve scoring 44 points. Killed it, dude. And so I did a little bit of research at my job on my lunch break yesterday. Um, so I have some on my lunch break, <laughs> but I only did it for four teams because I really did just do it on my hour lunch break. So, uh, but luckily, both of these teams are are in that little group. So, so give us I that in-depth collaborative analysis. Well, just in case you guys were wondering. Jose Altuve's hard hit rate is up 12% from last year. Oh, so, wow. You know, just a little tidbit for you guys back home listening, you know? This is you know, the type of stuff we hire you for. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Um, I did want to note, um, so going the other direction, 
about uh, underperformers. I don't know if it's just me misreading this, but it looks like uh, Mannheim got a combined negative five from his first base position. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So, I mean, Gallo beasted that first week. Not so much uh, this week. And this is what you expect from him, right? You get the peaks and the valleys, and the peaks are pretty high, but the valleys are pretty low. Um, but let's go through a couple of people who scored more points at first base than Joey Gallo and Jesus Aguilar combined. Um, I'll start Mike Galembo. If Jeremy Manheim would have starred Mike Galembo at first base, he would have had a better week than what he currently did. Yeah. So why don't you go give us an, another first baseman who scored better than Gallo and Aguilar? Um, Eric Chernow himself. He would have been better off ah. starting his opponent. You know, yeah. many people liken his figure to Bartolo Colon. You don't think of him as a real first baseman, more of like a pitcher. I feel like Eric's much more graceful, you know? He's actually the... He was last time... Last weigh-in we had, he was the exact same weight as Bartolo Colon. So. Yeah. My man. Um, it's, all, it's all dick, though, with Eric. <laughs> it is. It's all It's all ring toe. <laughs> he's, he's a lot of ring toe. Um, sorry, Michael Lembo and Eric both outscored Jeremy Manheim's first baseman this week. Yeah, by a good amount. It, by over, you know, what is that, two wins almost? It wasn't a great showing by the Sluggers, and there's really no way to sugarcoat it. Uh, the starting pitching also not a strong point. It, it was, so, Nick Pavetta with negative 10, Marco Estrada with negative 10, Zach Eflin negative 9, Chassin negative 7. Yeah. I and think, then the relievers also. The only reliever that went positive was Trainin out of his four relievers, if we're counting J.B. Wendelkin. I think he counts, right? He was on the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, he found the Wendelkin. So he had seven pitchers with positive points, and he had seven pitchers with negative points. I was very... Uh, yeah, but of those positive points, we're counting Mike Fears' is one, Jake Odorizzi's three, like... <laughs> It's positive. It is positive. It is positive. Yeah. So it, when you have starts and relief appearances like that, you really just have to mail the week in. I mean, you can you can struggle and grind, and he had a chance to beat Eric and, and the Mannies back in the end there, but it just didn't happen. Um, Eric, I'd say, ended up being less bad. I don't know if that's the proper terminology to use here. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, before we say anything about Eric, we got to go back to last week's episode when we had that over-under, that sweet over-under on Rick Porcello. Do you remember what it was? It was over-under zero points for the week. Yeah, yeah. And what did he do? He did under. He did negative six. He did negative six. Get fucked, Rick Porcello. Got to put the PG-13 warning on here now, too. Yeah, well, I'm, just, I'm taking us to that next level. So Eric gets some good performances from some pitchers and some bad performances from some pitchers. Notably, Carlos Carrasco with negative 19. He got two outs, gave up six or... What's going on with him? You you did your Calabro analysis, or shall we say, Calabralysis. <laughs> and what, what did it come back to and tell you about Carlos Carrasco? I don't know why I thought of Electabuzz when you said that. Shoutouts to Electabuzz. And Electabuzz would be highly effective against Squirtle Sluggas. That's, yep. So. so I looked a little bit into uh, Carrasco, and I found out that he's giving up 61.8 hard uh, contact, 
compared to his 31.8 career average. So that's 30% higher than his career average. Is that good? Uh, it's fantastic if you <laughs> want to lose the game. But yet Eric uh, didn't. Yeah, I know. Well, Eric, you said it. Eric uses his uh, his good juju for baseball and gets destroyed in football. Well, he uses all the good juju. So a lot of us like to split it 50-50 juju football baseball. Yeah. Eric was 100% juju for baseball. <laughs> Maybe he needs to draft uh, Smith Schuster this year. You know, then he'd have <laughs> then he'd have one juju. He'd have one juju, more than zero. Um, yeah, and so then Carrasco Sierra is uh, three forty. His xFIP is four oh nine. So Eric's got to be hoping that his ERA comes down a little bit from whatever it has to be right now. What is it forty? It was high. It was high. Now Eric's hitting. Take a guess who Eric's worst hitter was. Um, I, I, don't, I it, don't know. It was Jose Ramirez with zero points. Ah, uh, yes. So he got zero points from Jose Ramirez, negative 19 from Carlos Carrasco. If we go back and we check the box office results in India, really down week. Not a great week for Bollywood. <laughs> Bad week for Bollywood. Bad week for Bollywood. We'll, we'll have a hot Bollywood... Uh, tracker every week. We'll see how good Bollywood's doing. Yeah. So Eric ends up rising to two and zero somehow, miraculously. The Squirtle Sluggers fall to one and one. The this was a matchup of two one and zero teams coming in. So once you go Blackman, never go back. Manny is leading the division right now. He's really you know he's showing how good that division is as a whole. He's just you know asserting his dominance with all those points. So. Let's slide over to the other matchup within that division, which is uh, Team McLovin versus St. Mark's Sly Sleepers, um, who, by the way, scored the third and fifth least amount of points this past week. So just a really down week for that division overall. Yeah, it's been a struggle so far. But Daniel's hitters did exceptionally well, I would say. Now, was there a calibralysis on this matchup as well? There was. Okay. There was some, some calibralysis. All right, so tell me about it. Um, so I did a little bit of, uh, looking into Joey Votto, which was kind of interesting. Um, his walk rate was down a little over 6% from his career. His K rate is up just under 4% right now. So Joey Votto is normally known for being a patient hitter. His on-base percentage is usually through the roof. Um, yep. he has a BABIP of over 300 right now. So it's not like he's getting exceptionally unlucky with the balls that he is hitting, but it looks like he's, I don't know, maybe swinging at more pitches outside the zone, or maybe he's just missing the ball more because he's not walking as much. Um, and then what was also really interesting was so far he's made absolutely 0.0% soft contact on all of the balls he's hit, which is usually not something you'd see uh, with this many games into the season. But at the same time, he's only making 29.7% hard contact. So he's making 70.3% medium contact. Um, all of this is probably to say that the batting average should go up a bit. Um, maybe not too much if the BABIP is already pretty good. But if you're hoping for the power to really return, uh, Votto's going to have to change something up from what he's doing right now because it doesn't look like it's going to be there. He's also Canadian. Well, yeah, there you go. That's equally good analysis. We we look at Daniel's team, right? Vado scored in the middle. Baez with 11.5 points. 
Judge had 25 and a half, which was a rebound from the previous week, but still, like, his top hitters were Trey Mancini, who he picked up off waivers, Brandon Nimmo, who ended up leaving the game tonight with a stiff neck. Yeah. He's not getting the performance he needs from the players that he expects to get it from. Well, Daniel's draft was a little funky to begin with. I mean, I, I, we talked a bit with him that day, but, I mean, Judge is a, he's one of those guys, he's like a much better, more refined version of the Gallo type that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. He strikes out so much, so, you know, the floor is always going to be there on a week that he doesn't hit as many homers, and he's got, you know, the same strikeouts as usual. Um, and then he's got Javi Baez, who, the same thing, the guy swings at everything, and the first start you know the first week of the uh, the season he was doing really well but he's not the type of player that seems to stay hot all year so I don't know I feel like Daniels the way that he set his team up is streaky definitely for a lot of these players the floor is lava it's extremely yeah. low yeah that's true it's a good point and we look uh -huh. at the pitching we said that as the sly sleepers go will be their mid-pitchers, right? So we, we said the key players for his team in a given week are going to be Lester, it's going to be Kyle Freeland, Michael Waka, and a lot of those guys had down weeks last week. While Tehran ended up pitching well, it was not enough in the end to overcome McLovin. Right, and another interesting thing is you look at the standout pitching performances, right? And if you just look at the numbers, you're seeing 20 from Tehran, 11 from Tanaka, 15 from Lauer. But then you look at the next column, you look at the innings pitch, those yep. were all over two games. Those were over two games. You so are correct. They actually weren't that good. He didn't really get a great pitching performance from anyone here. Um, and Nola's been really letting him down a lot, too. Um, not much you could do with that one. You kind of just have to ride that out. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot for a second. I want to talk about... Those first-tier pitchers that everyone drafted and expected to be be great, not exactly performing the way everyone wants them to. They've been terrible so far. As a whole, they've been super disappointing. You think about Scherzer, been a little disappointing. DeGrom yeah, got hit around the last two starts. Sale has looked nothing like himself. Kluber, not pitching well. Verlander, found in his last start, but had lost a little bit before that. Garrett Cole has been okay. But then you get into Nola, Carrasco, Bauer. Blake Snell has been the best pitcher, but again, he has <laughs> ring toe issues. So Honestly, who, who keeps a decorative table or whatever the hell he tried to pick up in their bathroom? What What is he doing in his bathroom that he needs something if like that? If I had that type of money, I'd put a ton of decorative items in my bathroom. <laughs> you would just have one bidet? I, first of all, do not knock the bidet. I would love a bidet. <laughs> There's actually a, a toilet called the NeoRest, and what it does is when you walk into the bathroom, it'll open, and it'll greet you. And so you won't have to actually open the lid. Does it have a bidet? It does have a bidet. Wow. And well, it's, it's electronic. I'm sold. Sign me up. I would also deck out my bathroom with a bamboo squatty potty. No. The plastic no. ones are a little tacky, but they no, do the but job. The squatty potty is horrible. Have you I used actually one? bought I bought a squatty potty per your request yeah. and it hurt. It just spreads your butt cheeks really far apart. It's very uncomfortable. I do have to say I don't believe you're using it the right way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I would swear by it. Anyone who's listening to this podcast, I would recommend that they get it and try it out. It's helped me with all my bathroom issues. 
I would just like to say that Justin has never had trouble going to the bathroom as somebody that's lived with him for four years. Justin goes to the bathroom just fine. I don't think the squatty potty is really doing much for him. And I did listen to Justin. And if you want to feel like each of your ass cheeks is getting ripped in the opposite direction while you take a shit, then by all means, invest in a squatty potty. Just a disclaimer, you're not supposed to sit on the squatty potty. You're supposed to put your (laughs) feet on the squatty potty as you sit on the bowl. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, you've had bathroom toilet issues in the past. Moving on. Um, you know who else is probably having bathroom issues right now? Sean Newcomb, because he's not using the big league bathrooms anymore. He's got to go back to the minor league bathrooms. They don't call you the best in the game for transitions for nothing. Yeah, there, there you go. I'm showing off my talents. Let's move over to Team McLovin, who ended up winning this matchup, led by who else but... Paul DeJong. <laughs> yeah, Paul, De- Paul DeJong, who I thought was Chinese until I looked at his picture. He's not Chinese. He's totally white. He's very white. <laughs> not expecting that at all. So Paul DeJong with 30 points, with no home runs, actually. So he had a very good contact week. Um, really outside of that, though, no standout players on Jeff's team. I mean, Robbie Ray had one good outing. But Scherzer, 19 points. I don't even know if that was one or two outings. It was eight innings. It makes me think it was... It was was one. It was one outing. All right, so it was pretty good. Remember that one? Because Scherzer started off the game a little shaky, but gave him the eight innings. And that's the one good thing and and why Scherzer has only been, you know, a slight disappointment. Because he's still a workhorse. He's still going to, you know, you can rely on him. It's too bad Frankie wasn't on the show today because I was going to try and hold him to his statement that he loves Merrill Kelly (laughs) after his three-point dud this week. I mean, Frankie does that sometimes. He's a little bit of a, a flip-flopper, aren't you, Frankie? Ooh. Ooh, I hope he doesn't listen to this episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, no real standouts. Like you said, Zach Wheeler with a, a bit of a more encouraging start. He had the eight strikeouts, so you're hoping that he continues in that direction. Um, Reynaldo Lopez really putting the team on his back as he usually does. And that was the worst pick. The water, that, that might have been the worst pick. Um, I mean, Jeff's relief pitchers did decently this week, which I think was probably the difference maker. I mean, yeah, when you win by 18 points, it's a couple of relief pitchers. That's, that's all you're really asking for, one or two saves. Yep. So, Team McLovin ends up getting the win, moving to 1-1. St. Mark's slight sleepers, saddened with the loss, fall to 0-2. Trying to turn around this coming week, and we'll talk about coming matchups in a bit. Let's move over to... Let's go to my division. Let's talk about a kiss from a Rosario versus the Hillwood Black Sox. So Mike has started this year really strong. Very strong. Uh, this has got to be his best start in a while. So 2-0 and after his victory over Nick Miller, a margin of victory of 21.5 points. Galembo's team led once again by the pitching. Specifically, look at this relief pitching he has. Roberto Osuna with 37 points, five God. saves in a seven-day week. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's extremely hard to do. And you have to pitch, like, every single day. Almost, yeah. And it looks like he did pretty much pitch every single day. Um, let's not neglect the fact that he's an absolute piece of shit, but besides that. We don't root for Roberto Osuna. No, no love for... We don't for root for Roberto Osuna. He's, he's a piece of shit. As a person. 
So Mike's relief pitchers. No comment to that one? I'm just moving on. Okay. Um, (laughs) It was just Osuna and Felipe Vasquez this week for him, right? Well, this guy ain't who got hurt. Right. He did pick up Max Freed. Is Diego Castillo? Diego Castillo is another relief pitcher. But mainly it was those two guys, and they beasted 37 and 25. Which is how much total? A lot. 62. 62. 62 total. <laughs> so I did it. And when you win by 21, that's all you need. Yeah, you only need 21. But yeah, 62 will do. If you look at his hitters, who was his top scoring hitter, Justin? It was Marcus Simeon. Yep, the man, the myth, the legend. This this brings up a good point, because now we've talked about Simeon. We've talked about Paul DeJong. I know certainly for my team, Elvis Andrus has been a standout. All of these second- and third-tier shortstops are really starting to separate themselves and prove that, hey, maybe the Correas and the Corey Seegers weren't necessarily worth taking that early. Yeah, I mean, so far it's early, but yeah. The, the like Gene Seguras, if you would. Was good. I'm pretty happy with my Gene Segura pick, unless his hamstring exploded tonight. You um, gave him a nickname, didn't you? Blue Gene, El Blue Gene. Me, El Blue Jean. The Phillies are red, so I don't, I don't understand <laughs> the Blue Jean. Because El Blue Jean is a, a word in Spanish. That's a real word. We learned that in, in Spanish class in high school. Yeah, I, El Blue I, I Jean did. was an answer to a test. It was, it was amazing. What does it mean? It means fucking Blue Jeans. That's clearly not a, a real Spanish word, but they taught it. It was in the textbook. It's pantalones longas. <laughs> Long pants. <laughs> I love Gene Segura, all right? Um, but Jorge Polanco has been just as good, and I got him super late. These are all shortstops who have really taken another step. So something to maybe look out for in the next draft is where all these people are going to be ranked, but that's over a year away. Um, no other major standouts for Galembo's hitting. He was really propped up by his pitching this week, despite a down week for DeGrom, down week for Paxton. Hyunjin Ryu hurt his pee-pee muscle. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> very nice. Jose Quintana, man. Jose Quintana was an animal. It was a very good start for Jose Quintana. It was a 32-point start. It was amazing. It was a very good start. Let's see if he can keep it up. You know, it's not yes. every week you get to play the uh, the Pirates and the Marlins. Well, he kept it up tonight against the Marlins, so... Well, pretty sure we could keep it up against the Marlins offense. Spoilers for next week's podcast. Let's flip over to the Hillwood Black Sox. Again, struggling to score points, but I would be remiss if we didn't mention the Herman Marquez Sunday performance. Yeah, that he was really tried to get the Black Sox the win. He did. 39 that points. Did. He killed it. One hitter over nine innings, no walks, nine strikeouts. That has to be the performance of the year so far. Yeah, definitely. And I mean... I think it's fair to say that Marquez looks like he was legit. You know, the the reason he was a little bit discounted, if you consider his performance last year, is because he's a Coors pitcher. But so far, you have to feel good taking Marquez. It's interesting noting that the difference in this matchup was Galembo's relief pitchers when the one with all the good relief pitchers on in this matchup is the Hillwood Black Sox. That is Edwin Diaz, Aramis Chapman... I wouldn't call Greg Holland a good pitcher, but those guys only scored a combined 22 points. 
whereas Osuna scored 37 by himself, and Vasquez yeah. scored 25 by himself. So relief so pitching and relief pitching and saves comes so much down to opportunity as well. Right. But you're looking at a guy like, you know, he took Chapman. He's on the Yankees. He's supposed to get a ton of wins. So what do you draw from that? Uh, like how do you apply that going forward into a draft? Do you just not take relief pitching early? The Yankees are not winning. Right now they're not, right. But are you just saying that you need to look at, at teams more when you're drafting relievers? I think it's always a good idea. You don't want to draft the Marlins closer. Right. right, you're capping yourself at twenty to twenty-five saves. Well, I did used to love Steve Ciszek when he was the Marlins closer. Who was the Marlins closer who ended up pitching under a different name? Was it Leo Nunez? I don't remember. You you do a little monologue. I'm gonna look up Leo Nunez because I'm pretty sure that wasn't his real name. All right, so let's look at some other stuff. Um, Spencer Turnbull was a very exciting addition, but he kind of disappointed this week. Um, Alex Ray is still on the team. Um, hopefully, for Nick's sake, holding him will pay off and he can come up to the majors and dominate. But he's putting a ton of stock in these guys who are not up yet, and I think it might be capping his potential a bit. Oh, and how could we forget Matt Boyd? Um, looking like one of his best picks of the draft. The guy's been really good so far. Um, he pitched tonight, too, and did well. It was against the Pirates, but... He did well over seven innings. Um, yeah, overall, I think Nick probably could afford to get a couple more mid-level guys with high floors. Because right now it looks like a lot of his mid-level guys have really low floors. Now, he did take your advice from last week, and he dropped the young guy, Alex Reyes. He dropped him? I'm pretty sure he dropped Alex Reyes. Oh, no way. Do you see him on his team? I, I don't know. I didn't click him. So he clearly views the Calibralysis pretty highly. Hey. All right. Good job. Good job. So here we go about Leo Nunez. His real name is Juan Carlos Oviedo. And this is what Wikipedia says. Oviedo was born in the Dominican Republic. At the age of 17, he assumed the identity of his 16-year-old best friend, Leo Nunez, <laughs> in order to receive a more lucrative contract. In 2011, Marlins reliever Edward Mujica a close friend of Oviedo said that at 17, you maybe lose $100,000 when you sign. And if you're 18, you'll maybe sign for $5,000 if they give you an opportunity. And he was outed in 2011 that his real name was not Leo Nunez. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I never knew that. So, Leo Nunez. Also, same thing with Fausto Carmona, who turned yeah. into Roberto Hernandez. Roberto. So... The, I forget Galambo's team name at this point. Was a kiss from a Rosario? Rosario. Yeah, pretty horrible name. A kiss from a Nicole Rosario. <laughs> comes away with the win, 2-0. Hillwood Black Sox loss, 1-1. One one. Other matchup in the division, which we'll quickly touch on, I ended up getting to play against Ben, longtime friend and listener of the podcast, Ben Horowitz, and the Web Gems. Um... I got very fortunate with a lot of my pitching matchups, and my pitching really came through throughout the week that by about Wednesday or Thursday, it became very difficult for Ben to come back. Yeah, um, you, you had a ridiculous week. Your team's been ridiculous so far. It, it's um, been a very good week. It's been a good start to the season for you. I mean, you had that close matchup the first week, but 
You have the most hitting points well, in the league you. so far and the second most pitching points in the league so far, well, thank which you. is insane. That's nuts. So you have to feel good. It's been a good start. I would like to be 2-0, um, but you, you can't change who you face. And if Galembo happens to have a lucky week against me, then that's a lucky week. Looking at Ben's team specifically, the high scorer for the hitters in this whole matchup was Anthony Rendon, who's been an absolute beast. I think he had 10 extra hit games in a, extra base hit games in a row. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. He wants his money. I don't blame him. I want my money too. Yeah. And then on the pitching side, a great start by Luis Castillo, albeit against the Marlins, but he looked like the real deal up until potentially last night. He had a minor hiccup against the Dodgers, but besides that, he, he was fantastic. He looks like he's definitely maturing and potentially going up a tier this year. So Web Gems, with very good week against another opponent, may have had a good chance to win. Unfortunately, he ran into someone who had some good performances. So, yeah, all around really good performances. I end Before up move away. I, I want to ask, uh, what do you think of Jay Happ so far? The guy's been struggling a lot, and he's known for being a high floor pitcher. Yeah. J-Hap coming back to the Yankees, he did so well to close out last year. I think that sort of did hype up his stock. Um, and if I am remembering correctly, Hap tends to be a second half of the year type pitcher. So potentially a good acquisition target for someone looking to boost their rotation if if the Web Gems do get sick of Hap and all of his nonsense. Well, his bat up against right now is 395. It's high. But... His left on base rate is only sixty five point two percent. What's his K rate? Um, his K nine is nine point four nine. What was in previous years? Does that match up pretty favorably? Um, it's it's in line with last year's. It's like one and a half above his career. So the problem is really he's only gone four innings, four point one innings, and four innings. He's not going deep into games at all. And that's putting yep. all those runners on, and it's not really walking people. I think his walk rate is a little bit higher this year than it's previously been. Hopefully he can turn it around because the Yankees are struggling. It's also been two starts against Baltimore and one against the White Sox, so not the stiffest of competitions. Yeah, it's been, it's been weird. It's been a weird start to the year for the Yankees. Now I'll pose one back to you. How do you feel about Walker Bueller? Um, Someone who know. owned him last year, were you not? I did, yeah, and he was amazing last year. I have to think that Walker Bueller is going to get better. Um, I also am curious if maybe stuff is affecting him that you know you don't see in the box score, like nerves or fatigue, because last year he had his first full year, and they didn't really keep him on an innings leash because he got hurt. They were going to cap his innings, but he had an injury. He missed, I, I want to say it was just a couple of weeks, and it ended up allowing them to use him all the way throughout. So he threw a lot of innings last year for him. Um, and I don't know, maybe he's just getting in his head. Maybe hitters are adjusting to him more. But I feel like the talent is undeniably there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he struggles for a couple more starts, but I also would not be surprised if he then figured it out and had a dominant second half. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers pulled their injured list shenanigans they usually do when someone like Ryu comes off the IL, they'll put someone like Bueller who's struggling on the IL. 
Yeah, this could be a situation where it helps, though. You know, maybe he gets 100%. a hundred percent weeks to clear his mind. One hundred percent. So let's now move to your division, where so I end up rising to one and one. The web gems fall to yeah. O and two. Want to highlight anyone from your your team because your team killed it. No, it it was it was a good week across the board. No one really stood out hitting wise. Pitching, it was a very very good week. Derek Holland. And Jeff Samarja had some good matchups against the Rockies that helped boost their performance. Okay. That's really it. All right. Well, Verlander also got back in shape, so you got to be feeling good about that one. He did. A lot of those points did come in one Saturday night start against the Mariners. So yeah. one good start, one mediocre start for him last week. Didn't Won't say he's back yet, but I think he's on the right track. Let's go to the humongous Melonheads versus the Murano Verrazanos, which this was an interesting matchup. This was 1-1-0 team versus an 0-1 team. The, the Verrazanos really struggled to score against you last week. They did, yeah. They, they definitely did. And they turned it around. This was a great matchup. I was very, like, if I, if I owned either of these teams, I would have been very pleased. Can we um, call this the matchup of the week? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I'm saving well, that one until next. My matchup was pretty tight, um, but like your butt cheeks using the squatty potty. It's the opposite. Um, so look at Nick's hitting for a second. Two hundred nine and a half points. Is that most in the in the league this week? I think I, it, know, I think it was. It probably was. I didn't check, but it was crazy. And then on the other side, one hundred eighty four and a half. So he, even though Nick scored so much, Hogrove's hitting did really well too. These were two dynamic offenses who are struggling to play together on the mound right now. And and look where the, the points came from. They didn't even come from Goldschmidt. They came from Yasmani Grandal and Josh Donaldson and Marcel Ozuna. Yep. And Chris Davis. That's right. Yeah. But three hitters, uh, four hitters, that scored over 30 points. Chris Davis has lived up to and surpassed the hype from last year. Yeah, he has. He definitely has. I'm really curious if next year we just straight up adopt uh, Fangraph's positions, how that's going to affect Chris Davis and where he goes. Because if he's outfield eligible, the guy is crazy. Yep. He certainly would be. Grandal is someone interesting, too, someone who I liked coming into the year. Seems yeah. he may be getting adjusted now to Milwaukee and the pitching staff, and he's he's letting his bat freely flow. I mean, he's homering so often. He homered again tonight. Yeah, he did. Guy, yeah. yeah. And on the other side, I mean, look, this is no slump team here for the Melonheads. No. Bellinger, Austin Meadows, Conforto, Suarez, Austin Peralta, Meadows, dude. all scored above 20 points. Yep. Meadows has been on fire to start the year. Meadows has been very good. Do you buy it? Oh, it's hard to tell. I don't buy this level. I think he will be a good player. I don't think he will continue this pace. But could you see him being a top? 75 hitter this year yeah oh yeah well that's it that's that's really legit then yeah and conforto's also having a really great start to the season which is encouraging because he's had the talent you know and while he's healthy i i wonder if he is the melon heads here though is he the melon heads favorite player (laughs) i don't know we gotta ask him we gotta get him on a podcast i think he might be um, two guys who you look at from the Melonheads' perspective who didn't have great weeks. Robbie Cano. He hit that. He, he, he hit the first home run of the whole year. Yep. Not including the Japan games. And then has now struggled ever since then. 
Are you are you thinking that he's going to keep struggling, or do you think he'll bounce back? I think he's going to bounce back. Um, I liked Cano a lot coming into the year as a really good value. Um, and even though he struggled, he didn't do horribly uh, this week. He scored, you know, around 10 points. It's not the end of the world. Um, I don't know. I, I have faith in him. I'm not really basing that off any numbers. I just feel like Robinson Cano is going to have a, a good year. How about you? I, I think he'll bounce back slightly. I'm, I do think that City Field is a tough place to hit in general. Yeah, all right. I'm pulling up the numbers now. He's got a 213 BABIP right now. So that's got to come around. I think it'll rise slightly. What's his career, Babbitt? Um, or look at like the last three seasons because that's more apt to his profile now. His career, Babbitt, is 319. Uh, last year, it was 329. The year okay. before that, 294 and then 299. So it should yeah, come up. He definitely should come up. And then I'm going to check his hard hit. His hard hit is... It's above his career average. It's a little down from last year, but he's got a 38.8 hard hit, 16.3 soft hit. I mean, that's right in line with his average. And now let's let's talk about the pitchers on both these teams, because I think it's somewhat surprising who's at the top of this list and who's at the bottom. So at the yeah. bottom, you have guys like Chris Sale. You have a guy like... Um, well, Clevenger ended up getting hurt this week. That really that, that, hurt. That was huge. Clevenger yeah. was looking like, you know, breakout of the year. And he's not going to pick up a ball for 8 to 12 weeks. I know. It kills me. I love Clevenger. Um, I just hope that, you know, the rest of Hogwarts team picks up because it would suck for him to just have his season crippled because Clevenger got hurt. So you've Chris Sale with negative 5 for Hogbro. You've Corey Kluber with 10 points across two starts. For the Verrazanos. These were two first round picks. Yeah. Not playing I mean, like it right now. They've been struggling. A lot of people said that Kluber was going to struggle this year. Um, I didn't really read much about Chris Sale and any worries concerning him. If you um, had to pick one right now to bounce back, who would you choose? So, if you asked me this question early today, I would have said Kluber. Right now, I'll take Sale because the velocity tonight was really promising. He okay. was throwing 96, 97. So. I would still take Kluber. You'd take Kluber? The, the injury, potentially, potential injury, scares me for Sale. I think Kluber can manage to put some stuff together. He did have 12 strikeouts over eight and two thirds innings. He gave up a lot of hits and a lot of runs, but. I think Kluber can find a way to deal with his reduced stuff, whereas it's really hard to pitch around an injury. Yeah, yeah, no, I and I don't, I don't like firmly disagree with you. Um, I don't think either of these guys look like they're going to live up to their draft position. That's hard. Yeah, it's very. But hard hopefully to they can. I mean, hopefully for both these guys, they can uh, come close. Because it's a long season, so we'll see. And on the good side, we have Tyler Glass now and David Price both having 30-point outings. Is Tyler Glass now the best pick of the draft? Now, did you see what he did tonight? He, he rebounded. He, he started did. off really poorly, but he went seven innings. He only threw 87 pitches. He could have gone longer. He could have maybe gone a complete game if the, they let him. The interesting thing with him is 
the walks. The walks are really far down. Yeah, and down. curious if it stays that way. The strikeout's also a little bit down, though. He only had three tonight in seven innings. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you could just chalk that up to maybe Baltimore's guys seeing the ball well tonight, right? Because the last start, he had 11. Yeah, it could be. I'm not fully buying in yet. I'm more, much more bought in than I was earlier in the year. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the right way to feel about him right now. I and wouldn't I your top pitcher for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do see some more games with four or five walks in four or five innings. But yeah. I mean, look, pick of the draft right now. I would say sure, why not? He went really late, right? Like everyone let him fall because his spring training was so bad. And. We do need to acknowledge David David Price because he did essentially win this week for the Verrazanos with a strong performance on Sunday. Yeah, Price came through. Price is looking like he could be decent. And honestly, Nick's team as a whole, I feel like maybe I at least was a little bit too harsh on because, like we were saying earlier, a lot of these ace pitchers that got taken really early have struggled. And if we drafted today, would be much scarier picks. Nick took Kershaw with his second-round pick. We definitely did not like that pick at the time of the draft. But honestly, it's kind of great for Nick's team that he's got Kershaw right now. And Kershaw's first team, he looked good. It definitely is, especially when you compare Kershaw to the other, and I put this in quote, aces in the draft who aren't performing up to their ability. Like right now, give me Kershaw over both Sale and Kluber. Okay, so let's, let's play a name game. Let's do it. We don't have a drop. (laughs) <laughs> we'll we'll find one. We'll put one in. So Clayton Kershaw or Corey Kluber? Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw or Aaron Nola? Nola. Clayton Kershaw or Noah Syndergaard? Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw or Jack Flaherty? Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw or... I'm running out of people here. Carrasco? I think you would take Kershaw. I would take Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw or... I'm trying to think of someone who was drafted. I wish Clevenger was still healthy. I don't think you would take Kershaw over Clevenger. I would take Clevenger. A healthy Clevenger? uh, Kershaw or Zach Greinke? Kershaw. You have any other good comparisons? No. I mean, I think the point... Stands pretty strong. Kershaw looks good. He looks reliable. Um, I would feel confident throwing Kershaw out against any offense. Like, there's obviously going to be times where he struggles, but Kershaw or Patrick Corbin. Kershaw. I've never been a big Corbin guy though. He has Corbin. looked good this year though. He's looked great this year. So, I mean, how about you? Tell me some of those guys. Kershaw or Syndergaard. You have Syndergaard. I'd probably still go Syndergaard. I don't think Kershaw's going to pitch. In- He's going to go on the DL again this year at some point. Well, that's not guaranteed. It, nothing is in life is guaranteed. <laughs> We're getting really uh, deep in this one. Death, taxes, and squatty potties. The squatty potty is like the least guaranteed thing. It works. Talk to me about it. It works 100% of the time, all the time. You're eating beans out of the can you're taking a shit and you're telling me it's a squatty potty who's eating beans out of a can it's you it's what you're doing every night i did have beans tonight but they were refried and they weren't in a can there you go there you go you're gonna 
give all the success to the squatty potty. It does the job it needs to do. The, the squatty potty is the middle reliever of the bathroom. Who is the squatty potty? <laughs> Let's do this. Give me, give me three guys that you would give me a hitter, a reliever, and a pitcher, a starting pitcher that you would compare to the squatty potty. The squatty potty of the bathroom, because there are other players else, in the bathroom game. The squatty, but where else are you using your squatty potty? Well, I'm just saying, like the toilet is an essential part of the bathroom process. I just want to know who you would attribute to the the confidence you have in the squatty potty. I I would. The squatty potty is an integral but non-essential part to the bathroom process. So, All right, I I think the squatty potty is Rick Porcello. No, absolutely not. No, potty? Rick Porcello is not good right now. Exactly, exactly. Squatty potties are very good. All right, so who are they? I would give the squatty potty to a like an Adam Adovino on the Yankees. You don't need him. He's not essential to them having a great bullpen, but heck, he's sure nice to have. What about guys like Reynaldo Lopez? Not squatty pie material. <laughs> Reynaldo Lopez is needing to throw up and use the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> and you choose to throw up in the toilet and go to the bathroom on the floor instead of going to the bathroom <laughs> in the toilet and throwing up in a bucket. <laughs> All right, but take the bucket out of the equation. Would you rather have to wipe up a little bit of, of diarrhea on the floor, or would you rather have to scoop up the chunks? What are you doing there? I think that a little bit of diarrhea is an oxymoron, and there's no such thing. Maybe for you, because you've got this fucking squatty potty and refried beans every night. We're getting off track. Squatty potties are, are very nice to have in the bathroom. Sure. Back to the week two matchups. Let's go to your matchup with Frankie, and why don't you walk us through this, because this one was very close till the end. You know, Frankie had a lead for most of the matchup, and then you came in and you said, no, 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 not today. Up until Saturday. Um, so I kept it close throughout the entire matchup. Um, at no point did I feel like it was super out of reach, um, except I would say, trying to think back to it, there was a day where... He had a bunch of pitchers going, and I don't think I had any. It might have been Thursday of the matchup. It was getting towards the end. There was a couple days left, but um, it was looking like I was going to need my hitting to pick it up because for most of the matchup, at least in the beginning, my hitting was just asleep. They were getting like nine points on a, you know, a given day, um, and Frankie's hitters were really consistent throughout this whole matchup. Um, wow, they actually were amazing. He got 204.5 points from his hitters. I think second only to the Verrazano's. Yeah, from what we've seen. And yeah, I mean, Acuna every night, I would look at the Braves box score and I'd be hoping Freeman did something and I would just see another homer for Acuna. Um, but yeah, my pitching, yeah, like that's the story of my team so far. My pitching is ridiculous and my hitting has been good enough when I needed to be. My hitting did end up, you know, heating up at the end. Honestly, I have so much stock in the Phillies and the Mariners that when they score, you know, and they, they do, they score a lot of like 10 run games, 12 run games. I have enough shares in those offenses where I usually get, you know, a nice chunk of points from them. Um, but it's been my pitching. And this was this was a heartbreaker of a matchup because Frankie's team was ridiculous. He would have beat every other team except for yours and mine. That's right. Yep, but he took a loss. And now you scored the most points in the league for the second week in a row. 
your pitching, I think, was top in the league for the second week in a row. And this was a week that you got two points out of Trevor Bauer. Yeah, Bauer did not do well this week, and that was kind of nice because it it makes me have confidence in those next-tier guys. So I was kind of looking at my pitching, and I think I have I have three surefire ace pitchers. Like, you know, two of them are A-pluses, and I would give one of them an A, and that's Bauer, Cole, and then Granke. And okay. then I have two guys in the, the next tier who could ascend up in, in Bieber and Musgrove because so far they've been really good. And then the guys after that have been reliable so far. I've got Caleb Smith, who's... I mean, these guys obviously aren't going to be this good all year, so I'm hoping that when that happens, other guys on my team who aren't performing as well can pick it up. But, yeah, I mean, I feel good about Caleb Smith. I feel good about Trevor Richards. I feel good about my relievers. Can I ask you about one pitcher in particular? Sure. The guy who has the biggest heart on the team. Kenley, big Kenley. Zero points this week. Yeah, I mean, like, he was busy giving presents to all the children in Whoville. I don't know what else you wanted him to do. That's why he didn't pitch? Yeah. No, I mean, it. that goes back to what you were saying about opportunity. The Dodgers so far have either been destroying their teams when Bellinger gets, you know, 20 points, or they've been losing. Yeah, they actually so, lost, I think, six in a row last week. Yeah. I didn't know that. But, yeah, there you go, then. So, flipping over to Frankie's team, the Brooklyn Brawlers. Oh, wait, not not to cut you off. Oh, you're not done. Yeah, keep no, talking about was, yourself. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lou. I think, no, I think it's it's something that most people probably wouldn't notice, but I think the big turn in this matchup, because it was so close, was the Astros game where Wade Miley pitched. He started out, and I put Brad Peacock in on that day because I was hoping for him to come in in relief because he hasn't been starting, and he hadn't been in any relief appearances at that point. And Miley only went four innings. He struggled. I don't think he got a lot of points, if any. And they brought Peacock in, and he went off and got the win. So he got what could have been Miley's win. And if Miley pitches longer there, maybe Peacock doesn't come in at all. And so the overall swing from that game was, you know, almost the difference maker. So would you say that he Peacock blocked him? Yep, I think that's a great one. The Peacock Maybe block. Add it to a, into a drop. We look at Frankie's team, as you said, hitting phenomenal, pitching also very good. Talk to me about Blake Snell. I know we talked a little bit about him <laughs> earlier. He talked about his bathroom. <laughs> he looks like he was the pitcher to have coming into yeah. this week. Yeah, he does. Snell looks ridiculous. There's Outside not- of his first start against the Astros, which was good, not great. And it was against the Astros. He's um, had three amazing starts. Yeah, he looks he looks legit. The guy's amazing. He's got filthy stuff. His breaking ball gets everyone to strike out. Um, now he yeah. has a bum toe. Yeah, and hopefully this isn't something that lingers because he's supposed to only miss one start. You'd imagine, you'd hope that that means the toe is not really important in whatever his wind-up delivery is. But I don't know. I feel like if he starts to struggle, that's going to be in the back of everyone's mind. Now, Jose Abreu with negative one point for Frankie, but he's able to pick it up because he has this new kid. I don't know if you heard of him. Pete Alonzo, I think his yeah. name is. Yeah. Maybe it's Pete. Pet, Pet Alonzo. Pete. 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 Yeah, Pete Alonzo's been crazy. 
Guy's been really good. I think we all kind of forgot about him during the draft, too. Yeah, definitely. I didn't. I usually don't put too much stock into the rookie guys, but even if we did, Frankie snatches them all up anyway. So That is very true. Frankie and uh, Hogbro. Yeah. See, the thing is, all these kids attend their baseball camp when they're preteens, <laughs> as Frankie would say, ripe. Yes, ripe for the taking. Ripe for the taking. And so they, they have access to these kids, like the Catholic Church does, when they're very, very young. Yeah. And the rest of us don't get access to them until they actually start to to go through puberty mm -hmm. and, and afterwards. So it's really unfair that they get access to these kids. They have a monopoly on 12-year-old boys, and something should change about it. But, you know, will it? Nobody knows. So you end up moving to 2-0, and number one in the power rankings. Congrats. Frankie said and losing, going down to 0-2, but the top 0-2 team in the power rankings. So I think sunnier skies ahead for the Brooklyn Brawlers. Yeah, definitely. Let's pick a couple of our favorite matchups for this week coming up. Now, I know we're two days into it, but we could still talk a little bit about it. Okay. So, do you have one that stands out in your mind? Yeah. Um, my favorite matchup is going to be in my division. It's okay. going to be the Murano Verrazanos and the Brooklyn Brawlers. Because both why. these teams have so much riding on this week. Even though it's only the third week. If if Nick wins, his team is alive. Like he goes to two and one, he presumably will have to score a good amount of points because he's facing Frankie. And things, if Nick wins this week, it means that things are going really well for his team, and he'll probably have a ton of confidence. Frankie, on the other hand, desperately needs this because if he if he loses, he's going to go to zero and three, which will hurt so much more because he's been scoring so many points, you don't want to start the season at 0-3. So. Yeah, you don't want to start the season at 0-3. That's a really difficult hill to climb out of um, because there are only, I think it's 18 weeks in the regular season. Yeah, there are. Um, and while everyone will get a shot at their division mates again in the last three weeks of the year, it's, it's not something that you want to rely on. Going 0-3, especially within your division, not somewhere you want to start. It's definitely not impossible. I think you've done it before and won the league. But you just need you need things to just go well and to keep going well. The margin for error is a lot smaller as the season goes on. Yes, that is very, very true. So uh, what matchup are you looking at? So the matchup that I have my eye on is once you go Blackman, never go back, Manny, against the St. Mark's Sly Sleepers. I think that this is a 2-0 and back Manny team versus an 0-2 Sly Sleepers team. And so the Sleepers come out and say, hey, I have something to prove. I don't want to fall to 0-3. And the back Mannies, who really have been the weakest of the 2-0 teams, you know, scoring second fewest points in the week last week, want to start to show that, hey, you guys need to be taking me seriously. And so I think that this is one where we could potentially see an upset. Now, the Sly Sleepers are still going to need to put up points. Um, but th this is one where I think that the 0-2 the team may be a little bit more hungry than the 2-0 team. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Daniel wins this matchup, um, especially <laughs> if you want to talk a little bit about Steven Mass today. Um, that was a stinker. That's the worst performance so far, right? He didn't record an out. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest negative performance so far, right? It has to be. It has to be. Negative 21? That's that's a really bad performance. Yeah. 
And that was with some of the runs not being earned. Yeah, wow. Well, two earned? Two runs were unearned? Yeah. Yep. And it's not like Nola did anything great yesterday, but so far Daniels just kind of had to sit there and look pretty to have the lead. I mean, pitching's been horrible so it's far. It's been Both so bad. There have been three starts. They've all been negative. That's a good point. Yeah. Freddie Peralta ended up on the injured list. Yep. What a sweet cherry bomb he is. <laughs> Honestly, like pitching in general has been so unreliable this year. It's pretty crazy. It has been. And then you've got random guys. You've got guys like Brad Keller. I feel like a bunch of pitchers from like the NL, uh, the AL Central have just been weirdly reliable, like Royals pitchers that you wouldn't really think about, yet they're doing well, like a Heath Fillemeyer. Right, or who is Heath Fillemeyer? I think he pitched yesterday. I think he did pretty well. I don't even know who that is. Heath Fillemeyer? That's a real person? Heath Fillemeyer. That's that wasn't the uh the name that Juan Carlos Oviedo took of his childhood best friend. You don't know Heath Fillemeyer? He invented the railroad. <laughs> Never learned about him. Uh he was JP Morgan Chase's friend. <laughs> is that the guy that actually invented the railroad? No. Um, yeah, but I just feel like there's a bunch of pitchers who are bound to suck and they're performing amazingly. And then you have all these pitchers that you would bet the house on and they're all sucking. I think that my, my main point looking at this week now is that the injuries are really starting to pile up for some teams, right? Someone like Frankie who has stashed someone like a Severino, but now has Blake Snell on the I.L., I think that there are going to be some decisions that need to be made and knowing when to cut bait on some players. You already saw like Scooter Jeanette was dropped by uh, the Sly Sleepers. And so some of these 0-2, potentially 1-1 teams, if they fall to 1-2, if they have some injuries that are starting to pile up, maybe say, hey, I don't want to hold this guy on my bench anymore and take up an active roster slot. Let me go out there and pick someone up who may be hot at the moment. And also... Teams, hopefully, at this point, have started to think about potential trade offers because, I mean, trading has, since since we've all become more active in, in keeping the league alive, I feel like trades have been a little more common. But trading is definitely an underrated and underutilized way of uh, improving your team. And I, I feel like a bunch of people, you know, nobody gets upset when they get a trade offer. It's usually pretty fun when you get a trade offer. So hopefully people communicate with each other and see what they can do. Because yeah. it's looking like there's some powerhouse teams so far, and the rest of the teams are just like struggling to stay afloat right now. Yeah, and if you need pitching and don't have it, go out and find a team who has some excess. Same with relief pitching. Same with you know certain positions. There are teams out there that do have excess in certain areas, and they need to shore up. I, I do think it's very possible that you have a fair deal between two teams. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're getting to that point where sample st- sample sizes are starting to become big enough where you can make educated guesses on who's going to, you know, do what over the next month. Yeah. I I agree with that. You have the there's still the question, right? We could play a game maybe next podcast of real or fake. We'll throw in guys like Domingo Santana. Who yeah. I'm st- I still don't know how I feel about them. I don't even know how I feel about Domingo Santana. And but he's I on your team. Yeah. The guy's 
I mean, he's been so consistent so far. But I mean, like, I feel like just with that whole Seattle Mariners team, you could play the real or fake game. Like, it's do you true. Really play the Seattle Mariners being this good? I mean, what, what's their record right now? I don't know, but like in terms of runs scored, they have to they have to have the most runs scored. I'll, I'll pull it up. I do think they probably do. I mean, they've been fantastic. Um, they have 130 runs scored right now. Who's the next closest? The Dodgers, who have also been amazing with 113. So they have they have 17 more than the Dodgers. That's that's a lot. Now they have played a couple more games, right? Because they did have the Tokyo series. Yeah, but still. Look, they've played, they've played 19 games. Do the math. You know what that is? 130 divided by 19? Uh, not off the top of my head. 6.84. All right. A game. That's a lot. That's a ton. That's a lot. And so it's... Look, I think there are a lot of trends that we're seeing, a lot of good trends. I think that everyone is still in it. I think everyone has shown some flashes of brilliance. And everyone has shown some spots of weakness, except maybe your team. Yeah, but even that, my team, my offense has definitely shown signs of weakness. Like, that's undeniable. One day I we'll mean, have the first ever trade on the podcast. Yeah, that'll be cool. That'll be a good day. But uh, yeah, no, like every team has weak spots. I had to pick up Michael Franco and uh, Domingo Santana. But he's been amazing, though. Yeah, they've been amazing. But imagine if I didn't have them, I'd have to start Travis Shaw and he's been slumping. That's why, I don't know, a lot of the time people wait a little too long in the beginning of the year to pick people up, and that's usually when you get good value because there will be guys who are just tattooing the ball who are overlooked in drafts, and then they just keep tattooing the ball for at least you know a couple months, and you get really good value out of that. That's a fair point. So why don't you close out the podcast? Is there anything else that you want to say? Um, I mean, aside from me hating on Rick Porcello... Um, how many points do you think he gets this week? <laughs> Over under zero. Um, who's he versing? Is it the Yankees? I feel like he's bound to do better this week for right, some so reason. You say over zero. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him eight points this week. Rick Porcello okay. gets eight. How about you? What do you want to highlight? I'll say I'll say under zero for Rick Porcello. Under zero. All right, I like it. The, the one thing I want to highlight is I want to make sure everyone is aware about pitcher position eligibility. Yeah, so go through this whole this tiering system you keep talking about. So a, a lot of pitchers will have multiple positions that they're eligible at. They'll be eligible at RP and SP and potentially P as well. And the position that they count against the max is going to be the position that's bolded. And so I'm trying to look at a at a specific team right now so we can all walk through an example together. I don't know if I have any on my team, but someone like a Diego Castillo, if you look at uh, Mike Galembo's team, he counts as both SP and RP, but RP is the bolded value, so he would count against one of Mike's four relief pitchers. Guide so far? Yep. And then... What if their P is bolded? So if their P is bolded, what we will typically do is use the other value. And so if you look at, I believe Mike has a pitcher whose P is bolded as well. Yeah, Trent Thornton. 
So Trent Thornton's P is bolded and he also has SP. So for Fantrax purposes, he's not going to count against the max. But we need to make him count against the max. So we will self um, self regulate regulate this rule and make Trent Thornton's P count against SP. And so when you count Galembo's pitchers, looking up and down the lineup, I see Paxton Quintana, Cahill Keller, Tyone Thornton, Trevor Williams, Jacob DeGrom. I think that's eight, right? Um, let me count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep, eight. So he has eight, which is below the max of nine, which means that he's okay, right? He is no longer passing the max. Now, if he, the system would te technically let him pick up two more starting pitchers because Thornton is only counted as a P. But what we do is we don't let that happen. Right. So you do have to make sure that you don't go above or be or below your pitcher maxes for RPs and SPs. And then what were you talking about in terms of tiering your bids when you're bidding on a player? Yeah, so when you are bidding on a player, what you can do is put them in groups. And so what you can do is say, okay, these are the four pitchers I want to pick up, and I put them in group one. And on the very top of your pending transaction screen, there will be something that says group one max 99. That says, okay, out of all of these players, I want to get, I want to try and get 99 of them. If you limit that number to one, it'll only let you get one of all of those players listed. And you can put a player in multiple groups. And so you can say, I want to get one of this list of five guys. And then next, I want to get one of this list of six guys. And then I want to get two of this list of three guys. And so what that will let you do is that will help prevent you from going over the max. Okay, so if you do group your, your players, do you have to... You have to make new groups with duplicate claims, basically, for for different groups. You would have to put, if I want three three players in my first group to also be in my second group, I have to make sure that I do that, right? Yes. It's not going to automatically do that for me. Yes, correct. You would have to do that. So you'd have to go back to players, click the add button again, and go and do the whole thing again, right? Yep, correct. Okay. So, yeah, just remember to do that if you do want to set up the groups. And so a lot of times what will happen is there will be a player who goes on the IR or the IL, and then you'll have an empty roster slot. In that case, you say, I only want to pick up one of these guys because I only have one spot left for them. And that will really put an extra precautionary measure in place to make sure you don't exceed any sort of roster maxes. Yeah, I think, I think you just explained it pretty clearly, and hopefully we can try to remember to do that because... Uh, Hogbro's been posting in the Slack a bit, and he has a really good point about um, it's. We have you know no real solution. We don't want to be you know we can't we can't impose a penalty that's overly strict for no reason. Right. Um, but at the same time, you don't want it to be that you bid five on a guy you shouldn't have been able to pick up, and I bid four, and instead of me getting the guy, he's just back in the the pool of players and then you know next week now maybe more people have their eyes on them and now i have to bid you know 11 because i really want them right that's a situation we would like to try to avoid right 
And if it does come to the point where we feel like this is happening too often or too frequently, I think it is worth putting some measures in place of like, okay, for repeat offenders, you now only get half of your fat back. You don't get the entire thing back when you do make this mistake. Right. Yeah, and I mean, we should talk about that if it keeps happening, um, in addition to executing them and their loved ones. Um, yes. But yeah, hopefully people just like have learned it through this because it is really confusing. Like, Fantrax is, I, I'm loving it so far, but I love it more and more the more I use it because it's so convoluted and there's no real tutorial. Kind of like your girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. You know, just hated horribly in the beginning and then, you know, gave her deodorant and through things like that, got better. The other thing I do want to point out is that if you have a question about any of this, just ask, right? Don't don't just assume that a player is a certain position. If you, if you do have a question, ask, post it in the Slack, text me. I'd prefer if you post in the Slack and not text me um, <laughs> because I may not be That's available to answer. And someone else may be may have an answer ready for you of running into the same problem. And so we're working through this all together. And so if, if you do have a question about position eligibility or what position someone counts as or can I pick this person up, just ask. Yeah, just post in the Slack. Um, and also if you guys have any ideas or desires for any content you guys want, if you want to be a part of any content, let us know. Because um, to post on the WordPress, I have to give you author access so you'd have to let me know and then you know you have free reign at that point to write whatever the hell you want and if you want to come on the podcast or if you want to make your own podcast um which i've gotten a a little win that a couple of people in the league might be thinking of you know making an episode um by all means do it and then i have the podbean account so i can help you upload it um i can help you edit it too if you want so yeah i think every year we get better and better with all this stuff, and I, I do think it really adds to it. Um, it seems like everyone's enjoying it so far, so you know, hopefully we can keep it going throughout the whole year, keep this league even stronger. I am still waiting on all the other what-was-he-thinking pieces <laughs> that were supposed to come. I don't know if we're getting any. You don't think we're getting any more? No. All right. Well, I'll keep waiting then. So if you have nothing else to say, I think we just sign off from here. Yeah, I think I think once again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, it's really fun to do this, and if any of you ever want to join one, let us know. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. It's been real. This has been just two guys talking about Squatty Potty, which you should not buy, and Rick Porcello. All right, so I'll give a see you, you give a see you, and we'll see our way out. One, two, three, see you! <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed Justin doing that. <laughs> okay.